Thank you for joining us for the Covenant Gathering here on Eurofolkradio.com. Our host is Pastor Visser from CovenantPeople'sMinity.org. We hope that you are inspired to grow in faith and wisdom by studying the scriptures each week with us. It is written, Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, and gather the children. So let us gather together for the Bible study hour with our host, Pastor Visser, on the Eurofolk Radio Network. Hello again, dear kinsfolk, and thank you for joining me for this broadcast of the Covenant Gathering, which airs every Saturday between 12 noon and 1 p.m. on the Eurofolk Radio Network. And I'd like to give a special thanks to the men and women who make this broadcast available to you, and those are they who work at Eurofolk Radio. So if you have not already, please swing by eurofolkradio.com on the World Wide Web, and you'll be able to hear many shows, and they have quite an archive there of other shows that are produced as well, including a schedule, which is very handy for planning your week. But nevertheless, the date is October 15th, and this is the Eurofolk Radio Network. And it's 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so it is the afternoon. And this afternoon, I would take, I'd like to take the time to actually look at the differences between Jacob and Esau. And the reason for that is because I feel that this is imperative in understanding Christian identity doctrine. In fact, about halfway through this show, in about a half hour, we're going to look at some quotes from the Jews themselves and Jewish sources that all prove that they are the descendants of the Edomites. And of course, the Edomites are the descendants of Esau Edom. But without a doubt, each and every one of us, considering ourselves to be under the New Covenant, have read the New Testament. And when we read in Romans chapter 9, a statement pertaining to Esau, this should cause your average Christian to pay close attention. Why? Because we read in Romans chapter 9, verse 13. It was said unto her, who? Rebekah. The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And without a doubt, any of us reading that in Romans chapter 9 should begin to question, well, why is it that Yahweh God despises Esau? And perhaps more importantly, why is it that Yahweh loved Jacob? Well, the answer when it pertains to at least the Jacobites or the Israelites that descended from Jacob should be pretty obvious. And in fact, the Bible has more to say pertaining to why Yahweh hates Esau than it does pertaining to why he loves Jacob. But right there in Romans chapter 9 beginning in verse 12, it was said unto who? Jacob's mother that the elder shall serve the younger. Why? As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. 
Now, your average mainstream Christian will most likely say, well, that couldn't be true, Pastor Visser, because I was taught that Yahweh loves everyone, or Jesus Christ came for anyone who believes. But what we just confirmed already, in the words of the second-generation Apostle Paul, is the fact that Yahweh doesn't love less or dislike a little, but straightforwardly has disdain, indignation, and hatred for Esau and his progeny. Paul even goes on in verse 14 of Romans chapter 9 by saying, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. A polite way of saying certainly not. And that I want to establish before we move on. Yahweh God is always fair. Therefore, we as the men, women, and children of Yahweh God need to find out why was it? What did Esau do that caused Yahweh to hate him? And again, what did Jacob do that caused Yahweh to love him? But Romans is not the only place where Esau is mentioned in the New Testament. Because if we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, we're given a hint into one of the reasons why Yahweh dislikes Esau. For example, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. So we learn right here, most likely in the words of Paul, but in the general epistle of Hebrews, that Esau was considered to be a fornicator. And this is very important because here in a moment we're going to turn to the Genesis account. And the story of Jacob and Esau is found between Genesis chapters 25 and 27. But one of the reasons Yahweh hurt his parents, Isaac and Rebekah, and hurt Yahweh God, was because he miscegenated. He went and he married amongst the Hittites, the Canaanites, and many of the tribes that Yahweh God forever bid the Israelites to intermarry within. And that is why Paul says in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 14, Follow peace with all men. And holiness, without which no man shall see Yahweh. Without what? Without peace and holiness, none of us can see Yahweh. Then he says, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator like Esau was. So already we have established three things about Esau. Esau had a root of bitterness. And this comes into play much later when Jacob gives Esau, his brother, a peace offering. And Esau does not allow him to go through that land, the land of Edom. And in fact, if you're familiar with the minor prophet Obadiah, you will know that all 21 verses in the book of Obadiah, outline exactly why Yahweh God hates Esau. And one of the main reasons is this very root of bitterness, because he would not allow his own brother to pass through that land. And so, not only does Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 say that Esau was sexually immoral 
and that he was a fornicator and he was a profane person. It also says for one morsel of meat, he sold his birthright. That right there should explain to you the difference between Jacob and his brother Esau. Jacob contended with an angel until the dawning of a day for a blessing from Yahweh God. Jacob held the birthright in high esteem, so much that he would wrestle for it. But Esau did not care. In fact, Esau would trade his birthright for a mess of pottage or for a morsel of meat. So back here in beginning, in Romans chapter 9, verse 13, Paul says, As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Therefore, we know that Yahweh hates Esau, and we know that Obadiah, the minor prophet, straightforwardly said that he hates his Edomite offspring forever. But Paul quotes a particular book here. He says, as it is written, meaning we as the Christians need to find out where that is written. And of course, that is written in the final book of the Old Testament, in the book of the 12th minor prophet Malachi. And we learn in chapter 1, at the very beginning, in verse 2. I have loved you, saith Yahweh. Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith Yahweh? Yet I loved Jacob and hated Esau. Stopping right there. Notice that we now have two witnesses from Scripture, both the New Testament and the Old, both confirming from a second generation Christian being the Apostle Paul, and from the final minor prophet Malachi, that God loved Jacob and he hated Esau. In fact, Malachi chapter 1 verse 3 continues on this, on this teaching, says, I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom, Edom are the offspring of Esau. And we're going to prove that this afternoon. But whereas Edom, the offspring of Esau, say, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them, who the Edomites, the progeny of Esau, the border of wickedness, and the people against whom Yahweh hath indignation forever. So, right there at the beginning of Malachi chapter 1, we have learned three things. One is, the Edomites are the people against whom Yahweh hath indignation forever. Means that not only does Yahweh hate Esau and his bastard progeny, but he hates them forever. Until Judgment Day and until the ushering in of the third and final earth age. We also learn that the mindset of the Edomite is we will build and Yahweh will throw it down. So that is very appropriate and apropos to the book of Malachi because Malachi's theme as a minor prophet was to denounce the false Edomite Pharisees that were sitting in the temple of Jerusalem professing to be Jacobites, 
or Israelites in short, but they were Edomites. These are the same exact group of Pharisees that Yahshua would come much later, about 600 years after the fact, and denounce by withering the fig tree, by overturning the tables of the money changers. Why? Because Malachi had to point out that they were imposter tares. That the priests in Malachi's time were withholding the worker in their wages. They were oppressing and hireling. They were oppressing the widows. And all of these are traits of Esau Edom and his Jewish progeny. And we're going to prove that as well. But so far we have proven the title of tonight's or today's study. And that is Jacob Have I Loved. Jacob was loved because Jacob's name was changed to Israel by Yahweh God. Meaning not only one who contends, but one who contends for the birthright, the very birthright that Esau despised. And the reason for that is because of a prophecy that was given to Rebekah, Jacob and Isaac's mother. And I want you to pay close attention to this, dear kinsfolk. Because nine times out of ten, if you go into a Judeo-Christian church, they will tell you that Jacob somehow or another tricked Esau out of his inheritance. And be that as it may, at least they teach this, it's not true. It was a prophecy given to Rebecca. Rebecca, not Isaac. Rebecca understood that there were two nations wrestling within her womb. She understood the prophecy handed down to her by God himself was that the elder should serve the younger. And therefore, in order to really understand this, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 25. And in Genesis chapter 25, we read of the prophecy as it is given to Isaac or uh, Rebekah. Jacob and Esau's mother. And remember also that traditional Christendom has always held Rebekah as a saint, but not Isaac. And the reason for that should be self-apparent as we go through this. Isaac loved Esau, and we're going to confirm that. Had Isaac had his way, he would have given the birthright to Esau, but his wife Rebekah knew better because of this prophecy. That is found in Genesis chapter 25. It begins in verse 23. Yahweh said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. So notice right there, a prophecy spoken by Yahweh God is that the birthright would go to Jacob. Why? Because his will was that the elder, being Esau, will serve the younger, being Jacob. And this is quite foreign to the actual Mosaic law because the law itself straightforwardly says that the birthright goes to the first man-child who opens the womb. And therefore, Judeo-Christendom comes in and they say, looky there, Rebecca and Jacob, they tricked Isaac out of the birthright. But I ask you, based on what we've covered already in the last 20 minutes, did Yahweh God not know that Jacob and Israel would contend for that birthright and that Esau would not care? Well, 
Let's continue reading here in Genesis chapter 25, but the next verse. And when her days came to be delivered and were fulfilled, behold, there were twins within her womb. Twins, very important to remember. Esau was born first, about 20 minutes before Jacob. And Jacob's name means heel catcher and or supplanter. And the reason for that is given in this narrative. Because Jacob held on to the heel of Esau as he was born. As he opened Rebekah's womb. But when it came time, she delivered twins within a few moments of each other. Esau and Jacob. Why is that important? Because we must understand that tares look like wheat. Esau is red. That's what the term means. But so also, does Adam mean ready? Ruddy and or red. Because, of course, he was created from the Adama or the red soil. But my point with this is they are twin brothers. And therefore, it is oftentimes very hard to tell the difference between a person whom Yahweh God hath indignation against forever, like an Edomite, and an Israelite. They are brothers. And there is a provision given within the Mosaic Law to abhor not an Edomite. And many people have done better studies on this than I can, but they've basically gone in to prove that Edomite may not mean Edomite or whether it does or doesn't. The reality of it is, is we are to judge according to fruits, according to Yahshua Messiah. And the fruits of Esau were wicked. It was prophesied that Jacob would be over Esau until the end of time. So when Rebekah's days came to be delivered, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like an hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. So Esau is both red or ruddy, but also very hairy in contrast to Jacob, who usually is very smooth. The Israelites are not hairy people like Jews. (laughs) Consider Robin Williams and many other people of that ilk. Verse 26. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. Isaac was sixty years old when these children of promise came. Therefore, we cannot discount Isaac and his love for Esau because the law itself dictated that the birthright goes to the eldest. But again, two manner of men, two nations wrestled within Rebekah's womb. And that was confirmed in verse 23. Jacob was loved because Yahweh prophesied that he would be over Esau. So, We can continue to read here, and actually, I think this will tie into the pseudepigrapha and the apocrypha here when we get to it. But we have confirmed that Jacob held on to Esau's heel, that Esau means red because he was born red and or ruddy. And verse 27 says, as the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man. Dwelling in tents. Very interesting right here, this terminology of hunter. Because some texts say he was a hunter of men. 
And that is almost more applicable today than ever before. Because while Jacob was not a mighty hunter, he was a shepherd, undoubtedly. He was a farmer, undoubtedly. And throughout all the Mosaic Law, Yahweh straightforwardly allows us breeding domesticated animals. However, the Bible is suspiciously silent when it comes to hunting. But hunting animals is no sin. And his idea, Esau's, going and being a mighty hunter was not one of the reasons listed as to why Esau hated or why Yahweh hated Esau. One of the main reasons is outlined within Obadiah chapter 1, all 21 verses. And that is because he held a grudge against his brother. But before we get to that, let's continue reading. Here in Genesis chapter 25, verse 27. The boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents, just like who? Father Abraham in the plains of Mamre. So there are two manner of men, right? Verse 28. And Isaac loved Esau. Stopping right there. Very important. Isaac is a patriarch. And had he, as a man, had his will, the birthright would have went to Esau. But it was already foreordained and prophesied by Yahweh God that the birthright was to go to Jacob. That the elder would serve the younger, and we need to get this right. Because if the modern Edomite are beneath us, then we need to contend for the birthright, as Jacob did. We need to not despise the birthright, and 95% of our people do just that. When I, as a pastor, come to them and tell them that they are the direct blood relative and progeny of Jacob Israel the man... Most of them say, well, that doesn't matter to me. Why do I care? Because they despise their birthright. But we in CI, dual seed line Christian identity, do not despise the birthright. But the Jew does. Why? Revelation chapter 2, 9 and 3, 9 say they are of the synagogue of Satan. And my friend, there is only one group of people on the face of the earth today that profess to be Jews. So it can only be one group of people, the synagogue of Satan. And Esau ties right into that. In fact, some traditions even say the reason cartoons always depict Satan as red is Esau means red. But perhaps that's a study for another day. Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Rebekah loved Israel, the man, Jacob, her child, her secondborn. But her, father, her husband, Isaac, loved Esau. What can we say from this? Rebecca knew better than the patriarchs herself. Despise not the prophesying of Yahweh God. Because I'm sure when Rebecca came and said, No, Yahweh appeared to me, many people would probably say, hey, Let's put her to death. But Rebecca knew better, did she not? And fulfilled prophecy. Not through trickery. Not through trickery. Understand that. And Isaac loved Jacob because he did eat of the meat that he hunted. And Jacob sawed pottage, meaning that he was a farmer. He grew lentils, he grew beans, and he kept domestic animals like many of our race do today in Europe and America and other places abroad. And Esau came from the field and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Understand that point? 
Jacob became Israel. Israel became a multitude of nations, in keeping with a promise made to his grandfather Abraham. But Esau became known as what? Edom, and the offspring of the Edomite progeny. The same people we've proven this Saturday afternoon, Yahweh has indignation, hatred, malice, and contempt against forever until judgment day. Not only that, he sold his birthright for a mess of what? Red pottage. More than him being born ruddy, because after all, Jacobites and Israelites are white ruddy and have the ability to blush. It was his name, Edom, is more attributed to him because he sold the birthright for red lentils, red pottage. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear unto me this day. And Esau swore unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. He sold his birthright unto Jacob. Exactly what we covered today in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. He was sexually immoral. He despised the birthright. And probably was pretty upset with the fact that he should have inherited the birthright. But the birthright does not come by default. That is the moral of Jacob and Esau and their story. If you despise it, it will be taken and given unto someone else. So, therefore, Jacob did not trick Esau because he was hungry here, because it was foreordained. Two nations, two manner of men within the womb. So, right here, we're going to stop. We'll come back to it. But I want to drive home the point that Esau is called Edom over and over in the Bible. For example, Genesis chapter 36, the very first verse where we learn. Now, these are the generations or the genios, the offspring of Esau, who is Edom. So, Esau is Edom. Jacob is Israel, and this is very important because these are separate sets of covenants. The covenant was ultimately fulfilled, at least from Abraham, in Jacob. And Esau has his own set of covenants. And we don't have time to look at those today. But while we're here in Genesis chapter 36, also consider verse 8. And these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomite. So Esau became Edom, and Edom, of course, is a place in the Middle East. And Esau's offspring are called Edomites. Therefore, if they are the people that God hates forever, then these Edomites are all the descendants of Esau the man. So I have confirmed five times now that Esau equates to Edom, and Jacob equates to Israel. Why is that important? Because before we move on here, my friend, I'm going to give you some quotes from the Jews themselves. Very important for you to understand. For example, in the 1905 Jewish Encyclopedia, we learn, Edomites fled their homeland in Seir and migrated north, stopping right there. So also did the Israelites. In fact, the Israelites during the dysphoria went north over the Caucasus Mountains, became known as Caucasians, and settled most of Europe. 
as we know it today, but so also did the Edomites. Thus we have it from Jewish sources. Edomites fled their homeland of Zier and migrated north. Quote, after the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC, the Edomites began to press northward. That's the New Westminster Dictionary of the Bible, and it's found also in the Jewish Encyclopedia, 1905, page 3. So we learn two things here. The Edomites began to press northward, and of course Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 5 says that as well. But they are who? The Jews, right? Here's another one for you to consider. Here's a quote from the Manifesto of the World Jewish Federation. This was published in January of 1935, and its author is Gerald Simone. He says, quote, No one can deny that the Jews are a most unique and unusual people. That uniqueness exists because of their Edomite heritage. You cannot be English Jews. We are a race, and only as a race can we perpetuate. Our mentality is of Edomitish character and defers of that from Englishmen. Enough subterfuges. Let us assert openly that we Edomites are the international Jews. We Edomites are the international Jews. So the Jews themselves say they are the descendants of Esau Edom. And I have proven over five times today that God hates Esau Edom in the Old Testament and the New. How about this quote? that we read in the Encyclopedia Judica, 1971, not that long ago. Quote, Jews began to call themselves Hebrews and Israelites in 1860. End quote. Interesting, because the Jews themselves before 1945 never claimed to be an Israelite. And in my extensive catalog of books, and in my personal collection, I own no book before 1945, that claims the Jews are God's chosen. So if anybody's out there listening and has a a quote or a source of the Jews claiming that pre-World War II, please forward that to me. Here's another quote that you might enjoy. The Jewish Encyclopedia 1925, Volume 5, page page 141. Edom is in modern Jewry. That's another quote from a, from a Jew saying that they are descended from Esau, Edom. And you would wonder why a majority of Christendom does not come in and question this. Why would any race of people, especially known as Jews, that Revelation 2.9 and 3.9 say that they're not even Judeans, they're of the synagogue of Satan, openly admit up until 1925 that they were the descendants of Esau, Edom, knowing that the sacred scripture says that God hates Esau Edom. Edom is in, meaning Edom is found in modern Jewry. Does it make sense now as to why Yahshua would say to those Jewish Pharisees in John chapter 8 verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do, end quote. Or how about ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape? The damnation of hell. 
This word generation that Christ and John the Baptist used to describe these vipers or the metaphorical vipers is in is generation in English, but it's from the Greek word genema. And it literally means the offspring or the progeny. The offspring or the progeny of the Edomites. So, we have established many things thus far. And while it is today that the Jews will openly say that they are the descendants of Esau, Edom, it is usually most oftentimes found within the traditions of men or Judeo-Christians, not even Jews themselves, that love coming in and saying Jacob somehow or another and his mother tricked Esau out of the birthright. But we've proven Yahweh hates Esau, that the birthright was to go to the younger, being Jacob, and that two nations and two distinct manner of men were within Rebecca's womb, right? So we're going to take a look at the Apocrypha. In the book of Jasher, chapter 27, it mentions Esau. And not only does it mention Esau, but it mentions Esau aligning with the armies of Nimrod. And Nimrod, you may know, was the king of Babel, or Babylon, the original Babylon. And how fitting is it that the Esau-Edomite tear progeny bastard offspring of Isaac those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Judeans and are not, how fitting is it that they would come in and assist Sargon the Magnificent or Nimrod, the king of Babel. So we can begin reading in the book of Jasher, chapter 27, verse 1. And Esau at that time, after the death of Abraham, frequently went into the field to hunt. So first point, that confirms what we've read today. In Genesis chapter 25, Esau was born what? A mighty hunter. Verse 2 in Jasher chapter 27. Nimrod, king of Babel, the same was Amphriel, also frequently went with his mighty men to hunt in the field and to walk about with his men in the cool of the day. And Nimrod was observing Esau all the days, for a jealousy was formed in the heart of Nimrod against Esau. And on a certain day, Esau went into the field to hunt, and he found Nimrod walking in the wilderness with two men. And all his mighty men and all his people were with him in the wilderness, but they removed at a distance from him. And they went from him in a different direction to hunt, and Esau concealed himself for Nimrod, for he lurked for him in the wilderness. And Nimrod and his men that were with him did not know him. And Nimrod and his men frequently walked about the field in the cool of the day to know where other men were hunting in the field. And Nimrod and two of his men that were with him came to the place where they were. When Esau started suddenly from his lurking place and drew his sword and hastened to run to Nimrod to cut off his head. And Esau fought a desperate fight with the two men that were with Nimrod. And when they called out to him, Esau turned to them and smote them to death with his sword. And all the mighty men of Nimrod, who had left him to go into the wilderness, heard the cry at a distance. And they knew the voices of those two men. And they ran to see the cause of it, and they found their king and the two men that were with him lying in the field. What does that mean? That means according to Jasher, 
Esau killed Nimrod and basically took over Babylon. But Babel or Babylon in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic means confusion. More specifically, confusion by mixing, which is exactly what Esau did when he took from among the daughters of Canaan. And I might add, caused much grief to his father Isaac and Rebekah in doing so. What does that say for a majority of Judeo-Christians today who have no problem with their daughter dating Leroy have no problem with their children miscegenating at an alarming rate, having more concern for the pedigree of their horse or family dog than they do their own child. When even the fact that Esau Edom would go and marry into the Hittites, causing Isaac so much grief. Well, that's just food for thought. Turn with me, if you have an Apocrypha, to Second Ezra, chapter 6. We're also going to read of Esau here. We learn in verse 9. So yeah, that quote's quote's missing. So we're going to drop that from the study, not a problem, my friends. In the book of Jubilees, chapter 19. The book of Jubilees, and I'm giving you apocryphal text here. We're going to look at a few more from the Pseudepigrapha, and I'm going to wrap it all up for you nice and tidy with a little bow. And Jubilees chapter 18, beginning in verse 10. In the fourth year thereof, he took a wife for his son Isaac, and her, her name was Rebekah. This, my friend, is referencing who? Abraham. Right? And Abraham took to himself a third wife, and her name was Keturah, from among the daughters of his household servants. For Hagar had died before Sarah and bare him six sons. In the sixth week, in the second year, Rebekah bare Isaac two sons, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob was a smooth and upright man, but Esau was a fierce man, a man of the field, very hairy, and Jacob dwelt in tents. And as the youth grew, Jacob learned to write, but Esau did not learn. For he was a man of the field and a hunter, and he learned war. And all his deeds were fierce. The book of Jubilees, chapter 19, verse 14, says, Everything Esau did was done in fierceness. Whether he was polygamous, as as Genesis chapter 26, 28, and 36 confirm. Whether he did spawn the Edomites, as Jeremiah says, or married Hittites, or sold his birthright. Even though Isaac loved him and Rebekah loved Jacob more, all Esau's deeds were fierce. And then, in the book of Jubilees, chapter 19, verse 15, Abram loved Jacob, but Isaac loved Esau. And Abram, this is his grandfather, my friend, saw the deeds of Esau. And he knew that in Jacob should his name and seed be called the race of Israel. All Israel saved, right? The sheep hear the voice. They know Yahshua. They know the voice of their shepherd. Abram knew what Isaac did not, his own son. Just like Rebekah knew what Isaac did not, her own husband. And that was this. That Jacob knew to write. Esau never bothered to. Jacob knew how to farm. But Esau could only hunt. Therefore, the trickery pertaining to the birthright was all on Esau's end. And if you read the entire account, 
you will see what I'm saying is true. This is why much later, Jacob comes through the land of Edom and he offers a peace offering to his brother Jacob. And Jacob would not allow him to go through the land causing Obadiah to come through and say, because you did not allow the Israelites to pass through the land in the time of their turmoil and in times of war. Because of that, I will hate you forever. So, very important to remember. Now, in the Pseudepigrapha, and now we're getting a little further from the Apocrypha, and I'm giving you this as food for thought. I am not saying this is canon, but I feel it will really concrete the statements I've already provided from the Jews themselves, all claiming to be modern Jewry. But in the Pseudepigrapha, there are the testament of the twelve patriarchs. Every patriarch, or the three anyway, Every patriarch has a testimony. And they come in and they speak. Is this canon? Is this valid? Well, I leave that for you to decide. But in the testament of Jacob, testament of Jacob, we learn a very, very valuable key. And that is found in the testament of Jacob, chapter 2. In Jacob's testimony, chapter 2, verse 10. Yahweh tells Jacob... I am the one who saved you from the hand of Esau. I am the one who accompanied you in the land of Egypt, O Israel. A very great people was given to you. Blessed is your father Abraham, for he has become the friend of God. May he, Yahweh, be exalted because of his generosity and love. Blessed is your father Isaac who begot you, for he was a perfect sacrifice, acceptable to God. Now that's an interesting statement, is it not? Because it confirms exactly what the Bible's saying. How about this statement? Second Ezra's chapter six, verse nine, I found it. Quote, for Esau is the end of the world, and Jacob is the beginning of it that followeth it. End quote. Do you understand what the Apocrypha is saying? The Edomites are the end of the world. That is why God hates them. Esau could only destroy, only murder, and only leech off the Israelites. But when the Israelites came through and desired help from their half-brother, quote-unquote, Esau refused them. So Esau is the end of the world, according to 2 Ezra 6, verse 9. But Jacob, or the Israelites, is the beginning of it that followeth it. The beginning of that which follow. Not here in the second earth age, but in the third and final age to come. The Israelites will shine forth, of course, as the saints. So, back in the testament of the three patriarchs. In the testament of Isaac himself. We learn in chapter 2, verse 17. Isaac speaking, saying, Now when our father Jacob heard them talking in this manner with one another, he began to listen to them, but he did not speak. Then our father Isaac said to the angel with patience and humility, What shall I do now with regard to the light of my eye, my beloved Jacob? I fear concerning him on account of Esau. You, of course, know the whole story. End quote. And you should know this whole story. We shouldn't have to go to the Apocrypha or the Pseudepigrapha 
to quote this because it's more than substantiated within the Bible. God hates Esau. God hates Edom. The minor prophet Malachi's entire book was against Esau, Edom. The minor prophet Obadiah's entire book is against Esau, Edom. Therefore, we must oftentimes go to books like this, the Testament of Isaac, the Testament of Jacob, to get a little extra teaching in pertaining to these two brothers, Jacob and Isaac. So, Malachi chapter 1 again, I have loved you, says the Lord. But ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? But I loved Jacob and hated Esau. Therefore, we know that it is capable for Yahweh God to love one seed and to, lo- and to dislike another seed, even from the same womb and even being twins. Remember, the prophecy again is Genesis chapter 25. There's two nations and two manner of men. So, Esau said to Jacob in Genesis chapter 25, verse 32, Behold, I am at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And Esau sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. For that reason, Esau despised his birthright. He didn't care, obviously, or he wouldn't have sold it for a mess of pottage, right? There's one reason Yahweh God hated Esau. Another one can be considered from Isaiah chapter 22, where we learn in verse 13. Behold, joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep, eating flesh and drinking wine. Let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we shall die. This, my friend, was the mindset of Esau Edom. He was a fornicator. He lived in the wages of sin. We've already learned today that Jacob was able to write. Esau didn't care. Esau would rather hunt for food where Jacob would grow it or he would breed it, more in line with the Mosaic Law. So all of this comes full circle. And it comes back to these quotes from the Jews where they have no problem whatsoever saying they are the descendants of Esau, Edom. So remember that. Me telling you that this afternoon is not an attack on the Jew because I have provided you Jewish sources that all claim the same exact thing. Another thing to consider was that Esau was polygamous. And polygamy is a study in and of itself. But in Genesis chapter 36, verse 2, we learn, Now these are the generations or the offspring of Esau who is Edom. Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan, Adah, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and Obadalamah, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite, and who else? Ruel and Korah. These are the sons of Esau, which were born unto him in the land of Canaan. And Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house and his cattle and all his beasts and all his substance, which he got in the land of Canaan and went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. Esau took all the goods that Yahweh God still imparted unto him through his infinite mercy and grace. And he fled from the land of Canaan, and the Jacobites or the Israelites dwelt therein. 
So they went north first, my friend, the imposter tear. The goats went first north and descended into Europe. But that's a historical study. This, my friend, also caused much grief. Much grief to Isaac and Rebekah. It upset the parents when he did this. And that, of course, is confirmed back in Genesis chapter 26, verse 35. And this is in the blessing of Jacob. Where we learn in Genesis chapter 27, verse 34. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father Isaac, Bless me also, O my father. And Isaac said, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. This word subtlety in the Hebrew really means deceit, but it's an erroneous translation. Was there deceit on the part of Jacob? When we consider that the prophecy of Genesis chapter 25 verse 23 was that the elder must serve the younger? Well, continuing on, verse 36. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? Jacob means surplanter, heel catcher. Jacob contended for the very birthright that Esau despised. Yes, he was rightly named Jacob. And verse 36 continues, For he has supplanted me away these two times and took away my birthright. Stopping right there. Notice Esau Edom, also known as modern Jewry, lied even then. Jacob didn't take away the birthright. Even if there was trickery involved, Esau sold his birthright. Esau despised his birthright. And Esau traded his birthright. But at the end of the day, it did not stop Esau Edom from going directly to his father Isaac, the patriarch, and saying, he took away my birthright. Total garbage, a total lie. Jacob fulfilled prophecy and so did his father, his mother. But Esau says in verse 36, he took away my birthright and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, hast thou not received a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren I have given to him for servants. And with corn and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing? Bless me, even me. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. That means he got pissed off, my friend. He was upset. But it wasn't Isaac's fault. It was Esau's fault for selling his birthright. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew from heaven above. And by thy sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother. And it come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break off his yoke from thy neck. From thy neck. Understand what's being said because Obadiah taught the same exact thing. And it is in fulfillment of a prophecy given by Esau's very father. And I'm sure that the listeners here on Eurofolk Radio have heard this countless times. But it is found in the book of Obadiah. And it is found in the 18th verse. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 18. The house of Jacob shall be a fire. Stopping right there. We are a consuming fire because Yahweh God is our head, according to Hebrews. 
So if our God is a consuming fire, according to the New Testament and the Old, it stands to reason that the house or offspring of Jacob, meaning the Israelites, shall be a fire. And the house of Joseph a flame. Flame is the same thing as fire. So Joseph and Jacob are flames. This explains why Joseph is in the book of Revelation and name appears on one of those gates. This also proves the parallels between Joseph and our Redeemer, Yahshua. And there's an upwards of over 30 similarities between Joseph and Yahshua. But Obadiah chapter 1 verse 18 in its entirety says, The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble, and they shall kindle in them, and devour them, and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for Yahweh has spoken it. For Yahweh has spoken it, because Yahweh has spoken it. So do you understand what I was trying to teach today? The prophecy came to pass exactly as Yahweh God willed it to be. But not because Isaac desired it to be that way. And in the blessing given to Jacob, Isaac said, I don't have a blessing to give to you. You will serve the younger. Therefore, now we, the Jacobites, the Israelites, have become the head. And they that come in and say, Esau, Edom is modern Jewry, they of the synagogue of Satan, who profess to be Judeans and are not, but are the literal offspring of the devil, come in and boast that they are the head. But that's not the way Yahweh God designed it. That's not the way Yahweh designed it. So this is mentioned countless times over and over in the Bible. Consider Zechariah chapter 12, verse 6, where we learn, In that day, Yahweh speaking, will I make the governors of Judah, right? They of the synagogue of Judea, like an hearth of fire among the wood, and like a torch of fire in a sheath. For they shall devour all the people round about on the right hand and on the left, and Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place in Jerusalem. So we are looking forward to a new Jerusalem, wherein righteousness dwells. The house of Jacob or the Israelites truly are a fire. Therefore, my advice to you this Saturday afternoon, October 15th, is be like Jacob. Jacob was loved of Yahweh God because he surplanted Esau. He held the dominion up until recently, and perhaps more importantly than anything else, he held the birthright in high esteem. Oh, so many of us say, well, the book, the Bible is just a history of the Jews. And that is erroneous, my friend. I have proven today that the Jews claim to be Esau. I have proven today that Yahweh God hates the Edomite terror. And Things will continue to get worse as long as they are empowered. I praise Yahweh that there is an awakening in the land and people are able to see Esau and his bastard Edomite progeny clear as day because the tares truly have risen up ahead of or above the wheat. Dear kinsfolk, my name is Pastor Jeremy John Visser. I am the senior pastor of Covenant People's Church and Fellowship located in Brooks, Georgia, beautiful Confederate town of Brooks, Georgia, 96% white, inviting you to join me next Saturday between 12 and 1 p.m. in the afternoon on Eurofolkradio.com. 
And if you're interested, I have 10 books published. Every one of them is accessible on Amazon.com or CovenantPeople'sMinistry.org under our book section. Feel free to sign up for our forums. We have great fellowship going on over there. We have a great mod who keeps the place cleaner than it actually really is. So kudos goes out to Crossman, Reverend Phil, and even Pastor Paul Mullet, who signed up today. I'm looking forward to having more fellowship with you gentlemen in the future and working with you as more and more of our people awaken to the Edomite bastard progeny within our midst. So, my advice like usual, dear kinsfolk, is war for Christ and let never let any man take our crown. If we do not contend for the birthright, Yahweh God will give it to one who will. Until next time, war for Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this Bible study lesson with Pastor Visser of the Covenant People's Ministry. These teachings are recorded for you live by the Eurofolk Radio Broadcasting Network and can also be found in the archives of our church's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org. If you have any questions or comments regarding these messages, please write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205, USA. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of The Covenant Gathering. May God bless you and keep you and be with you always.